0: Awesome. Okay. Ready? Yep. Let's go. Let's laugh. We are imperfect after all. Okay. (laughs) Hello
1: and welcome to the Imperfect Us podcast. I'm Leanne Cannelleri. And I'm Lisa Downs. As co-hosts of the Imperfect Us podcast, we will share relatable stories that celebrate that we are perfectly imperfect humans leading perfectly imperfect lives.
0: We will be sharing these stories through open and honest conversations with our extraordinary guests. And together we'll discover practical and evidence-based strategies that will enable us to navigate the constant challenges and changes of everyday life. We are thrilled to share these conversations as we draw on the science of well-being and positive psychology and we uncover the barriers that might hold us back from being our authentic selves and turn them into opportunities so that we can show up more consistently doing what we really aspire to do and who we want to be.
1: We'd like to acknowledge the Wadawurrung and Ghana people who are the traditional custodians of the beautiful lands on which this podcast is being recorded. We pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging and extend this respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples from other communities who are here with us today. So, let's get started.
2: Yay! And
1: recording. Michelle is a best-selling author with more than 25 years of global leadership experience in organizations of all sizes. She works with boards, leadership teams, managers and employees to help them move beyond their fears, improve their resilience and well-being and build authentic and productive connections so they can do the best work um, in their lives. With a PhD for her research on appreciative inquiry summits and a master's in applied positive psychology, Michelle has led the charge on creating free evidence-based tools for workplaces, including the wonderful PERMA Workplace Survey. Michelle, we are so rapt to be speaking with you today. Thank you for joining
2: us. It's my absolute pleasure. I couldn't think of two better people to have this conversation with. Michelle, as we, as we sort of settle into
1: our conversation, could you please share with our listeners um, what led you to the work that you do?
2: Yeah, well, uh, first and foremost, I was working in organisations where there wasn't a lot of thriving consistently, and so I was getting curious about what we were missing. Um, and in particular, bet- particular part of my role I was looking after a brand in a professional services company where your people are your brand and so that got me really curious about how did we change behaviors how did we consistently live our values how did we in really tough and challenging and unpredictable circumstances be resilient Um, how did we feel safe as we worked alongside each other and uh, the organization I was in although we were at the cutting edge of a lot of that work happening around the world, what I was seeing over and over again was we got compliance while leaders were really focused on those things but the moment leaders attention moved elsewhere it tended to slip away we didn't have commitment and so that's what really led me to go and do my masters of applied positive psychology to see what else the latest research was finding that might suggest ways that we could go about doing that that were evidence-based but practical and busy proof uh, in very busy days and then to go on and do a PhD around behavior change to understand how did we get commitment, how did we make more of those behaviors sustainably stick
1: mm. and you've done so much amazing work there in you know in that space it's always amazing to um you know to see that to be part of that even even um, in some cases I'm sure um you know as you've sort of worked with people in in these industries and 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 with the um you know the appreciative inquiry summits I'm sure imposter syndrome has probably sort of
2: um, popped up <laughs> throughout those Once time. or twice, just here and there.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I was just thinking, you know, we've both Leanne and I have learned a lot from you, Michelle. And so thank you so much. We're always very grateful for that. But I'm just wondering, would you be able to tell us a little bit about how the imposter syndrome might have shown up for you or perhaps even with your clients that you've been working with?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So for a large first part of my professional career, unfortunately, it's not true anymore, but the large first part of my professional career, I was often the youngest person in the room, um, sitting at leadership tables, and often the only woman in the room. So there was a lot of imposter syndrome going, (laughs) who am I to be sitting at this table? And am I asking silly questions? And dare I even open my mouth to speak? Um, So I certainly spent, you know, I would say, up until my sort of early mid-30s, uh, feeling a lot of the time in the room that I was the imposter. And really, it probably wasn't until I went and finished my studies in positive psychology and I got some tools uh, to be able to navigate those feelings um, and what we do about them. Um, certainly in organisations that we work with all over the world in the wellbeing lab, uh, we see this challenge come up over and over again. Sometimes in female leadership programs, uh, we've run a big female leadership program with the National Australia Bank um, in Australia with Treasury Wine Estate who are a global organisation working with their female leaders through Australia and Asia and Europe and the US. Same conversations you have over and over again but it's not just a female issue. One of my favourite ever presentations I had the privilege of sitting in at National Australia Bank was with one of their very senior male leaders and he talked about he called it his parrot that he'd imagine this parrot sitting on his shoulder squawking into his ears about all the ways he wasn't good enough and he was a failure and what was he thinking? Why did he say that silly thing? And so, again, I think sometimes we mistakenly think this is very much a female issue. Um, I would just say the research, certainly we see some gender leaning towards women, but men experience this as well. And I think it's just the way we think about it. I think men tend to think of it more as perhaps self-doubt or feeling a bit insecure or a bit unsure of themselves, whereas often we find more female leaders tend to take it all the way through to thinking it's a whole syndrome here that I've got to deal with and ruminate over it forever and ever absolutely and and are up at 3am in the morning go why did I say yes. that why did I send that email or why didn't I think about asking this question instead <laughs> oh, that's just us Leanne isn't it yeah, <laughs> no, we've all been there. I think one of my favorite pieces about doing this work in some of those organizations and others is just that first moment and often you know pre-COVID we do this in big rooms with people sitting at tables together. You always have this beautiful first moment where people just realise... Oh, it's not just me. I'm not the only <laughs> yeah. one up at 3am ruminating over those things I should have said or didn't say. or. Um, and so again, I think we all have this, right? We are all wired neurologically to experience mm. self-doubt for really healthy reasons. Mm. It's just the way we interpret those feelings of self-doubt in Absolutely. the context and the ways that we've been socialized and the things that we value that often will then determine how we respond to it. And we're kind of
1: a work in progress, aren't we? With that sort of thing, Absolutely. you know. I, you talked about the gentleman with the parrot on the shoulder. Well, well, my parrot's name is Lucy. We <laughs> were talking about Lucy in our in you know, in our introduction, um, and and um, you know that it sits there and chatters away. And and as I guess as you sort of understand, you know what that's all about, you can. Mm-hmm. Um, find ways to work with it obviously with our science we you know we start Mm -hmm. to understand you know better ways to to work with our uh, self-confidence our mindset and all that sort of thing and I also remembered as you were speaking Michelle I remember coming to the uh, International Positive Psych (laughs) uh the IPA the info <laughs> I remember coming to the, IPA <laughs> the International Positive Psychology Association <laughs> there you. Goes, it's a mouthful rolls right off the tongue <laughs> and IPA sounds great <laughs> and I came to your session this was in 2017 I think um anyway okay this was in Montreal so I was very excited to be there and very excited to be in the room and and you you hosted a session on I can't remember exactly what it was I think it was women in leadership yeah, um yeah. And, and um and we did this exercise where where uh we had to introduce ourselves as a man and oh, then we had to like a
2: confident man, ex- man would yeah like a confident man would yep Lisa this was a
1: a, a a fantastic experiment because um you know we introduced ourselves as a man and you
2: kind of felt strong in yourself open yeah everybody's body changes open. yeah like yes. they walk a bit more sturdy the shoulders go back the, the handshakes so were much more vigorous yeah. we've done this in rooms all over the world and also it's always the same it's just <laughs> fascinating and, and,
1: and then you know then we had to do it as
2: ourselves and, I, and I as a confident woman well no you did it as a confident woman because we had mixed genders yeah, often when we good. do this exercise we have mixed genders in the room which makes it even more interesting and so first we'll get you to to do it as a confident man and then as a confident woman and so right. that's always a lot gentler like there's a lot mm. the, and the conversations are longer right people don't mm. move on as fast and there's more touching like you know touching on the shoulder or on the side of the uh, there's a lot more head nodding and, yeah. <laughs> on. and then after we teach you that some of the skills then we get you to introduce it yourself and there you just yeah, see right. people more kind of moving in their own way and in their own skin um, but it is always interesting just seeing these ideals that we associate with what confidence means yeah mm. it
1: was an impactful uh, ex- <laughs> experience that is for sure um michelle in our wonderful world of the science of well-being um you now how can we how can we use this science to stand up to our imposter thoughts do you have any tools or strategies that that's helped you to work with your clients or or you um
2: so many <laughs> <laughs> We're fighting exactly the same. So I'm going to give you some of my favourites, and, oh, and all of these, you know, full full uh, disclosure, uh, have been self-experimented on these <laughs> Uh, as I said at the start really for me when I began diving into the research around well-being and positive psychology it gave me a toolkit for so Mm. much of this where I was perhaps getting in my own way unnecessarily and leaking a lot of energy um, in the process around those fears of not being good enough right at Mm. the heart of so much of this is the fear I'm not good enough to be liked to be loved Um, to be worthy of doing the work that I want to do in the world and so you know for me probably the biggest piece and I find this true of many of the clients I coach or work with in organizations is just the reframing about what that feeling of not being good enough is and you know we were talking even before we started about some of the new research coming out around imposter syndrome from amazing people like and I'm here's my you know not good enough um, mindset coming into place I try to pronounce her name which is not one of my strengths so just full apologies up front if i've you know completely not done this justice but Basmia tufik who's at MIT Sloan, and she's doing this beautiful research around things like, is imposter syndrome even a syndrome? Mm -hmm. Like, does calling it a syndrome mean that we start in with a mindset that there's something wrong with me for feeling this way and I need to get rid of this feeling? Mm -hmm. And I think for me, you know, one of the most important things I've ever learned out of the science is that nature wired us to be perfectly imperfect, We're not meant to have it all figured out. We're not meant to be getting it right all the time. Thank goodness for that. Exactly. (laughs) And as Carol Dweck, Professor Carol Dweck once told me when we were talking about her research on great mindset, she was like, congratulations, Michelle, you're human, just like everybody else. Take the pressure (laughs) off. And I was like, Carol, I will. Thank you so much. And so just that we are and nature wants us to be perfectly imperfect, Mm, not because we're poorly designed, but because we need to be able to adapt as what's important to us changes as the world around us changes. If we were perfect specimens, then we wouldn't have that adaptability. And so I think even just thinking at the outset, are my feelings of self-doubt, is my feelings of being an imposter, is the fear that I'm not good enough? is this actually a problem or is it a really healthy, adaptive mechanism Mm -hmm. for me to be able to navigate the world and the way in which I show up with it? So just for me, that first reframing that (laughs) I'm meant to be perfectly imperfect, (laughs) as Carol said, take the pressure off, Mm -hmm. uh, that was just an amazing aha moment. And I think it's really interesting seeing Bus. Uh, Busimas research coming through now, Mm. starting to test what is the impact when we see something as a syndrome versus if we start to see this as just, it's a feeling, you know, those uh, experiences are feelings that we have, they're data that our brain and our body are giving us. And what what she is finding and other researchers are finding is that those feelings, of course, just like any others, are neither good nor bad in and of themselves. But it's Mm. one being aware of the data okay I'm feeling like a fraud here or self-doubt is hijacking me or I completely feel insecure and not good enough in this moment (laughs) and then what do I want to do with that feeling what's Mm. right for me what's right for the people around me you know I always say you don't want to get rid of self-doubt we have self-doubt for really healthy reasons so that we don't take stupid risks or repeatedly make dumb mistakes right so I'm always very cautious. If anybody's promising me they'll get rid of myself self-doubt, I'm like, really? I feel like perhaps I need to hang on to a bit of that. So again, when we experience that feeling of not good enough, I feel like an imposter, I'm in over my head, I'm having all these feelings of being insecure and feeling self-doubt, the question really is, is this helping me or is it hindering me?
0: Mm. And so
2: even any of our basic mindfulness, self-awareness practices helps me then tune into that feeling, emotional intelligence, um, emotional flexibility, just like, oh, I noticed the feeling and now I need to think about, is this good for me? Actually, it's very healthy for me to feel self-doubt here so I don't take on a massive risk that I'm actually not ready for. And that was Basmea's research was finding that sometimes those feelings of being an imposter are exactly what we need to ask for help. Yeah? Mm. or to go and seek more counsel or to get somebody to assist us that has a strength in that area already rather than taking on something that we're not ready to do yet ourselves? Mm. Um, or is it actually holding me back? Yeah? And if it's mm. holding me back, how might I reach for my strengths in this moment or how might I reach for my growth mindset and know that I'm just not there yet and the only way I'm going to get there is to dive in here and have a go and it's the learning that comes from this that's more important perhaps than the outcome or of course my go-to favorite is my self-compassion and Mm. you guys know I'll often put one hand over the opposite wrist even when I'm presenting I'll do it behind my back or when I'm at a meeting I'll do it under the table (laughs) and just you know that seven sort of seconds Mm. of just slow it down and breathe to get some oxytocin back into my Mm. system to calm down some of those cortisol stress levels that often come with that feeling of being imposter and self-doubt so that then I can Show up, And the last tip I'll leave you with actually doesn't come out of the science, um, but it's some beautiful work. Uh, I was presenting for a conference one time. it's actually a Lutheran conference. Um, and so, you know, I was there and there was a pastor before me, uh, Nadia Boltz-Weber, and she was giving this amazing sermon on why we don't want to be the best versions of ourselves. And I'm sitting there having a massive moment of self-doubt in this huge auditorium. Okay, I'm about to get up and present on how to be your best self. (laughs) I've got a little positioning problem here. Like what am I going to do with this? But the more I was listening to Nadia, what I really loved in her message is actually if we are perfect or we present as perfect, only ever show the best versions of ourselves to the world, there's nothing for people to grab onto, right? Mm. Like it is our imperfections, our willingness to be vulnerable that make other people feel safe with us because they know they're perfectly imperfect as well. Maybe that's why we Um, get along so well. Absolutely, exactly. (laughs) And so, you know, the other thing that I'm reaching for my self compassion, I like to remember Nadia has this beautiful line and I won't get it exactly, but I highly recommend you can look up her work on YouTube. She has some great books around this, but that the fact that, our imperfections give us our rough edges yeah. for other people to hang on to oh so I love that as my extra permission to Carol just going you're human live mm-hmm. with it get on board the rest of us are as well but to remember that it's my imperfections and not just the yeah. fact that I have them but my willingness to own them Mm. and be vulnerable and maybe even share them in the right ways with other people that allows other people to have something to hang on to when they're getting to know me or working alongside me or listening to me, mm. to know I don't have it all figured out no matter what it looks like on the surface. Yeah. So th- those are some of my favourite tools. Oh,
1: I, I love them and, yeah. and I, I so relate to that, Um, you know, as we've sort of been exploring this whole imposter syndrome and uh, even saying it. Like, you know, I'm a bit cautious to say syndrome. We sort of started talking about it. I think I did own it as something that was perhaps uh, wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, other people would too. But, but I think, uh, you know, as you sort of stand up to it, understand a bit more, you can uh, really see how, you know, these strategies that, that you've just described really help you know the, the the one where you hold your hand when I teach uh, mindfulness I share that hold hold your hand uh, practice uh, as something for you know for in a workplace in a meeting and things like that yeah. I love that and I use it myself mm. when I'm presenting because that's where I you know like, like up in front of people is where I can feel a bit uncomfortable as well so I'm holding my hand getting getting along you know supporting myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, th- thank you so much um for, for that shell um
0: who's, who's next lisa is it you or me well i was just thinking of adding on to that if that's all right too oh, because what you were saying michelle about um i know i was going to say it wrong too so Bassema, her work and what i was um referring to when she talks about about being the syndrome they talk about that the term syndrome can add on like a medical sort of a feel to it where it shows that fear and so forth. And I like how she changes that in her research, she changes that language to imposter thoughts. So I know Leanne and I have been playing with thinking of it as imposter thoughts. So it just sort of helps us to go, it's not actually a really terrible thing, but how can we be aware of it? So putting that mindful practice in. And I think since we've been, it's probably about six months or even probably more, but we've been having these conversations, we're able to really challenge that and also talk to each other about the feelings that come up, what are they, and then how can we shift them? And it's been, it's been like almost you, you're reaching right out and looking at yourself very differently, but then you can step into um, the right choice. And is that actually true? probably not what's another perspective and move forward <laughs> yeah. yeah so thank and you I that. think and again that you what I'm hearing there Lisa is you bringing in some of those
2: um, beautiful kind of uh, cognitive behavior sort yes, of skills yes. about what's the story I'm telling myself how true right. is this story are there any other explanations um, and what else might help me understand how I'm feeling or what's going on or what somebody said to me and you know which of those do I want to invest my energy in and so I think it's another beautiful skill to add into this mix
0: and one other um, great strategy that you use in some of your um, labs as well michelle is the learning loop so leanne and i've been experimenting with that as well so the questions and the just the whole process it allows us it is part of learning knowing who we are and then like those when those posturing thoughts really hit hard mm-hmm. having that moment to go hang on what just happened what went well what didn't Is that story even true? All of those things, the learning loop's been really useful as well.
2: Yeah, and that for me too has been a great exercise in both growth mindsets and self-compassion and going, okay, you know, what did I try here? What went well? Where did I struggle? What did I learn? And again, you know, here Professor Dweck's work so beautiful in reminding us that so few of the outcomes we're working so hard (laughs) towards today will even be remembered six months from now, but what we've taken forward is the learning, Mm -hmm. and yet so often we're so busy judging ourselves and others on the outcome that we forget that it's it's the learning that's really the gold because that's how we help adjust then and move forward mm-hmm. um, so we definitely find that learning loop again has helped so much for me just to, as Carol said embrace my common humanity and get <laughs> on board with it the other piece um, Adam grant recently had a beautiful um, episode on his uh, work-life um, podcast uh, and there he was talking about insecurities and again I think we we can sort of think here, everything from imposter syndrome right through to self-doubt and insecurities and all the steps in between, but he was also breaking it down in a helpful way that I've played with since about that there's a kind of a time continuum of different skills that might help us before, during and after, you know, mm-hmm. those feelings or thoughts of self-doubt or imposter syndrome or not good enough or insecurity coming up for us. And he was talking about, you know, before is that kind of exactly to what you were just talking about, Lisa, that, you know, challenge the story perhaps, embrace the insecurity and take yeah. in the time just to prepare and stabilise ourselves, mm-hmm. you know. Um, in his book uh, Originals, he shares some really interesting research there from psychologist Julie Norem, and she talks about defensive pessimists and why sometimes, right, that self-doubt can feel like it's defensive pessimism or, you know, Professor Brené Brown talks about that foreboding joy, right? We're <laughs> going to take the worst possible scenario here because everything good after that will surprise us. <laughs> but Julie's research shows that defensive pessimism, you know, when we do it intentionally, can actually be a great strategy if we're feeling like we need to do a bit more preparation or we need to challenge that parrot on our shoulder. What was yours name, um, Leanne? What oh, was Lucy. Lucy, we need to challenge Lucy in there, or just you know, to stabilize ourselves to go, you know, what mm. I'm stretching right outside my comfort zone here, it feels super uncomfortable, mm. and I'm okay or to get some help, you know, to have somebody in our corner there. Mm. The second stage then on that time continuum of self-doubt he was talking about was that during, I'm in the moment and, oh, my goodness, it's not going as planned. And that to me is where the hand over the opposite wrist or that wise and kind coach do you have a different parrot or creature on the other side, Leanne, to, to balance Lucy ever? Uh, no, I
0: don't. Not like need. It's, like, it's, you know, we need
2: that one on the other side so that when Lucy needs to quieten down, we've got whatever it is on the other side. But that that I think about my Ted Lasso kind of moment, oh, right? Like, like what Ted would lasso. Ted be saying to me in this yeah. moment? So that, that kind of in the during so that we don't get hijacked by anxiety or, you know, unhelpful stress responses. Mm. And then the after part of the time continuum. So, you know, again, you know, when I first started trying to teach some of these skills to people, I, I intentionally I'd have to leave my self-critical part at the door before I go into the room to present. And I'd have a little chat with myself to say, I'll be back to pick you up afterwards. <laughs> That's and on the ride right home, you can tell me all the ways I got that wrong. <laughs> And so I think, you know, often after we've, you know, experienced self-doubt or that feeling of an imposter, we tend to use our inner critic to beat ourselves up. Mm. Again, often thinking that we're somehow protecting ourselves or maintaining our motivation. Whereas what I learned to do again with um, Dr. Kristen Neff's self-compassion work and Carol Dweck's, well, I wasn't there yet. You know, I didn't yes. nail that yet. Or, you know, thinking again, my wise and kind Ted Lasso coach. And that was where the learning loop really started mm. to grow from for me, Lisa, was, okay, first we're going to start by savouring what went well, even if it was just that I showed up. And, you know, with humble pride, how do we hold on to that? I love Dr. David Destano talks about the importance in his research on grit, around humble pride for us being really you know one of those ways that we sustain grit and we keep going out at things Mm. and then you know with Carol there in the back of my mind you know where did I struggle because even in my best moments there's also things I can improve and then most importantly what did I learn so that I'll have the confidence to go and try again and so for Mm. me anyway I've been finding it helpful to think about the before during and after of
0: my self-doubt and which skills or tools might help me at different moments Mm -hmm. that's such great advice isn't it and I think for me when I was talking about that drawing back and being more mindful of it when you're able to do that it it sort of slows time down to give you the time to do that where in the past you know if I had at that moment I would have just believed that it was terrible and not acted and so that like you said before about that cognitive um, behavior change is that I wouldn't have been able to do that but now the skills and the tools that we're using are helping us to grow forward and having much more of a much more confidence actually i've noticed yeah. i'm feeling more confident in myself i feel like i have the tools right there and if that one doesn't work then i can use another one it's just so adaptive so yeah, so thank you, Michelle. Well, becomes that self-perpetuating cycle, right, mm. that you're out there trying more so you're learning
2: more mm. and then the way you're um, re- reflecting on what you've learned and how you went is helping build your comfort so you're starting to get that really beautiful upward cycle, uh, upward spiral of learning and growth happening. Mm. Yeah, Isn't it beautiful?
0: It is. It is. It works like magic, but it's just knowing where to start with it. (laughs) Mm. And actually just having a go at starting it, finding a tool, having a go, see what happens, and pop that learning loop in there. Mm. Oh, could go on forever. Yes, we could. <laughs> we could. The field of positive psychology is really evolving, and it's you know especially now that we're finding challenging times, uncertain times. Yeah. Um, we were going to ask you, and I don't know if you're ready for this one or not. But are you able to share any thoughts about how we can better support the well-being of others? Yeah, definitely. Look, I think the biggest
2: thing, and we see this both in our research and our work, and we were seeing it pre the global pandemic, um, but it's certainly compounded during the global pandemic, is that still when people think about caring for their well-being or they hear about the field of positive psychology, we tend to think it means we need to be well or we need to be positive, you know, (laughs) and we, of course, know that actually, you know, caring for our well-being Comprises both moments of thriving and moments of struggle. And that's not only normal, but completely healthy. And Mm -hmm. in some way, this mirrors a bit of what we were talking about imposter syndrome, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, actually, these are just feelings, they're just experiences, thoughts that we're having as we navigate life. But the way we make sense of those experiences, really has such a big impact long-term on the kind of outcomes that we're able to achieve. And so what we've absolutely seen in our research with Dr. Peggy Kern all over the world over the last few years is that when people feel this pressure to be well, to be thriving, to be flourishing, we can unintentionally be doing harm to their well-being in the process because actually if I got out of bed this morning and I was really struggling, it just took everything I had to even just get out of the bed and then I show up to breakfast in my house or my team meeting at work or I run into somebody and I'm listening to the conversation in the coffee shop down the road <laughs> and they're talking about how they're thriving and we're all going to be well and we're all going to put these great steps. I'm going to get my 10,000 steps. I'm going to count my blessings. It's going to be amazing. Then, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I just want to go back to bed, right? <laughs> like it was all I could get do just to get here. Now I've got to be well on top of that. And so we often unintentionally create more stigma and shame and isolation um, for people when we only frame well-being Mm. in that context of we're going to thrive we're going to be well so um, I think positive psychology is continuing to understand more and more that balance that so many of the great um, ideas theories tools practices that we can offer that we need to be doing so in intelligent ways that understand that yeah there can absolutely be lots of upside to these things and and there should always be some cautions and caveats that go along with that. And how do we make room for the and is the way we talk about it in our team? Where's the and that sits alongside? So it's not just that we're all thriving, but we're thriving. And we're giving permission for struggle. We're not just all going to be super confident. It's an and we're going to make room for self-doubt and feelings mm. of being an imposter and insecure. That is healthy and normal ways to operate. So um, I think just making more room for the end and and mm. for a bit more balance, so that we're not unintentionally doing harm to the very people we want to help, including ourselves.
0: Mm. That's great advice. Oh, Such great advice.
1: Absolutely. And when you put well-being in perspective. um it it, uh it it can be um i'm gonna say it life-changing for some yeah you know all of a sudden what you tell me it is okay to struggle and here i have been caught up in this space thinking i'm you know I'm depleted, but you know this is a moment in time, and 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 you know the the beauty of you know understanding where I'm at with my well being gives me an opportunity to leverage. You know, just understanding is a, yeah. um, you know, I'm I'm already having that understanding. I'm already um, propelling myself forward.
2: Yeah. And it's like the imposter syndrome reframing. We were talking right at the top, Mm -hmm. right? The moment that I don't think this is a syndrome I'm stuck with forever or a syndrome I have to cure or otherwise I'm never going to, you know, live the life I want to live. And back to that experience of, you know, having these conversations with people all over the world in rooms and you just see people's shoulders. Oh, well, that's a weight off, you know, like Mm -hmm. I was with Carol Cueck. And it's the same with wellbeing, Leanne, to the point that you're making. The moment you give somebody permission to know that it is normal and healthy that caring for your well-being is going to comprise moments of thriving and struggle and that's going to ebb and flow and it's not necessarily just going to go up and up and up and there's nothing wrong with you when that's the case you just see that oh yeah. <laughs> thank goodness right I, we often that's will talk way. to both workplaces and individuals and go this is the lowest hanging fruit we find when it comes to helping people care for their well-being mm. is to just take the pressure off this idea that well-being means if we're not well somehow there's something wrong with us and we're in need of fixing.
0: I'm mm. yeah. going to add two onto that, um, guys. I was just thinking about how awesome the PERMA um, survey is. And I have over the last, I think, five years um, completed the survey yeah. and each time learned more and more about myself. And I love the addition about um, the amps that you popped in there and the confidence and the motivation. But what I found for me that was really interesting is I sat in, my results sat in the um, thriving despite struggle. And I was so excited to really peel that back for myself Mm -hmm. because I was struggling at that time, particularly, and I actually sit there all the time, must be who I am. Um, But I am so excited that I know that I have the ability to thrive and I also have that ability to sit in that struggle. And it's still okay. And then the tools that come with that help you to work out, well, is there an area that I really want to you know, leverage a little bit further? Or is there one I might need to dial back a little bit? So it's just phenomenal. And it's been, like you say, Leanne, life um, changing for me. It's just really en- enabled me to be a little bit more aware of who I am and who I also want to become. So thank you. Yeah. And
2: interestingly, guys, like we've measured it, workers in Australia over the last four years between those categories. So we started, you know, pre-COVID times and bushfires and then in the start and then, you know, right up until uh, I think sort of April, May last year in 2021 was the last time we measured. And Lisa, just to your point on that, um, and I know Dr Kern was so excited about this when we were seeing the data come out, was what we saw was that people who were telling us that they were just consistently thriving Thriving, no struggle there i'm consistently thriving was mm. then when challenge hit when when the global pandemic first started we saw not surprisingly the percentage of people in that category drop you know almost by half but they didn't necessarily lisa to your point just become that they were living well despite struggle they were able to thrive even in the face of struggle for a lot of them we found it was like they'd gone from swimming in the backyard swimming pool of well-being to being thrown into the ocean open sea of well-being And so they really came down to just being able to get by at that time, whereas our people who were living well despite struggle, thriving despite struggle, showed much more resilience than when the global pandemic was hitting, because partly to what you're describing, Lisa, they already had some confidence um, that they could get through struggle. But also, I think, again, if we think about how much loneliness and isolation impacts our well-being and the challenge we still have around the stigma of anxiety anxiety and depression and things like that in so many societies there was that authentic pride there was that humble pride there about exactly as you're describing I can do this I might need to ask for help there might be days where I'm down on my knees (laughs) Um, there might be days where I can't get out of bed Mm -hmm. and I just need to stay there and that's okay. I'm not broken. There's nothing wrong with me. This is completely normal given some of the struggles I might be facing right now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that for me is one of my favorite parts of the tool. And I think you don't need the PERMA survey to do that. Like it's there and it's freely available for people if they want it. Mm-hmm. But I think just to back to your question, Leanne, of just that normalizing that caring for our well being is thriving and struggle. And that's not just okay. It's perfectly healthy. <laughs> I think that is—that's um, my hope that over the next few years that will just become the commonplace understanding on yeah. this. Um, hey, what a
0: world that'll be! <laughs> absolutely,
2: and um, you know
1: michelle thank you so much for um all the recommendations that, uh, that the people that you've, you've referred to i forgot to mention and perfectly imperfectly and i forgot to mention <laughs> that um that we will share links to the people that you've mentioned uh, as well as the uh, perma well-being survey in our show notes besides your own fantastic work um which we will share in those in the um show notes is there a book a podcast ted talk um Um, you know, that
2: that you might recommend for our our listeners today? Um, So I'm going to give you two. Um, One, and it's not in the science, but it it must be so grounded in the science, is Ted Lasso. <laughs> I think Ted Lasso is just positive psychology and entertainment form and you get to laugh along the way which is just it's so gravy to me um so one be that two more in the field I actually love Kristen uh, Neff Dr. Kristen Neff in the self-compassion work has a wonderful TED talk and she talks in there about the difference between self-criticism and the impact mm-hmm. it has on our ability to achieve our goals across all domains mm-hmm. and self-compassion now it's a few years old and she's got great books and things like that if you want to go more but i actually think that ted talk Mm. is a wonderful description of the difference between self-criticism and self-compassion and the impact they can have
0: oh she's She's got got an amazing book too which is fabulous yeah lots Mm.
2: and she's got a great new workbook that came out last year so lots of but i love that ted talk and i find it's often not found um and underrated i highly recommend it
0: Oh,
1: well, thank, thank you. you well we're going to explore it and if we can't find it we'll be coming back yeah, chasing Madison, down. <laughs> and, and as Ted Lasso I have started watching uh re-watching because I
0: need my fix I
1: can't wait for I since- haven't
0: started so I need to start it <laughs> oh, Lisa you've got so much joy ahead of you mate <laughs> oh my goodness I might start it tonight so Michelle I'm just wondering um where is the best place for people to find out more about you and the incredible work that you're doing yeah. Head over to the wellbeinglab.com.
2: That's where we've got lots of our wellbeing work. You can find the PERMA survey and the like, but otherwise, michellemcquade.com is where you'll also find all of our 250 podcasts uh, from the last few years on making positive
0: psychology work. Which is absolutely fantastic. And I have to say, has been probably the best professional learning I have ever had across all fields. And um I know that it's stopped for a moment and there's some new avenues for you, but I can honestly say I don't know what I would have done without you. I probably wouldn't have finished my Masters of Applied Positive Psych and I probably wouldn't be as well as I am um, without it. So thank you.
2: Thank you. It was my art and my heart, so I'm so glad it was
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. helping. Can I just say as well, because um, and I probably have a little bit of invested interest to hear, but we did have, we <laughs> did have the um, Positive Psychology Playground Um, You know, which was, um, you know, wonderful on Facebook, you have actually moved your platform now. Um, Would you mind just sharing with people, you know, if they were part of, um, you know, enjoyed the, the playground where they might find that platform now?
2: Yeah, so head on over to LinkedIn and look for the Wellbeing Lab. So uh, we're starting to rebuild up that community. Um, we'll be having Q&As and some live chats and things like that uh, coming up in the coming months. So head on over to LinkedIn and either look for Michelle McQuaid or the Wellbeing Lab and that will get you to where you need to be. Oh, thanks so much. Michelle,
1: we would love for you to share one of your favourite self-care strategies that, that um, the audience might enjoy today.
2: So many, but uh, lately I've really been enjoying, and again, I will probably stuff this pronunciation up, so, you know, embrace my imperfect, my perfect imperfection here, Um, but qigong. (laughs) Gong... Qigong, Qi Gong. Yeah. Um, so I've got a little app on my phone and I've been doing sort of 15 minutes of just very simple. And I've done yoga and I run and Pilates and things like that at different times. But I'm really just enjoying the gentle movement of energy uh, each morning with that. And I have, well, this was my New Year's, new art sort of play, um, just taken up some singing training. So oh. I'm actually having a lot of fun, warbling very badly, doing trills. And my, my children are like, can you shut the door? <laughs> but i'm having a blast so oh my goodness <laughs> they're my amazing. two self-care ones at the moment
1: oh, thank you so much so um michelle thank you so much for joining us today we've been so blessed to have this conversation with you and we are so grateful so thank you so much
0: um how good was that liyan oh my god that oh. woman is just so amazing and so knowledgeable about all of the research which i love um, but I have so many more ideas about how to, you know, keep learning about oh, those, not really the imposter syndrome but more sort of the imposter thoughts and how we can use that as our motivation.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, well, I, I guess I have some bias here because, you know, <laughs> I've I you know, Cheryl, I've known Shell's work for a long time and I love it. And, yes, and I, she's... She is like a walking computer isn't she? she i don't know where she stores all this information um, have imposter syndrome
0: about that <laughs> no i am just actually so in awe of her knowledge and uh, yeah. what she shares she's so generous as well which i just love oh, um, but she also normalizes things doesn't she Leanne? Oh. like she just makes it so easy to understand and then therefore what i've gained from her you know the same with you with the amount of years but you know working and learning with her is that she helps you to just act on something and experiment with it and if it fails oh well that's the first attempt in learning yeah but if it doesn't you know you're continually growing and improving and i love that and i love being able to share that with the kids that i work with at school yeah, um, yeah. it's so important so i'm really grateful that we're doing that in our podcast oh,
1: me too me too
0: Thank you for listening to the Imperfect Ask podcast. As always, we are extremely grateful for our executive producer, Brenton Ainsworth, for helping us to put this episode together and the incredible music throughout the show.
1: If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with someone you care about, and we would be grateful if you could rate this podcast on iTunes. If you know someone who has a great story to share about, How to Live with Imposter Thoughts, then please get in touch with us. To find out more about Leanne and Lisa, we welcome you to connect with us on LinkedIn and our socials. Bye for now. Bye for now.